to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Brad St. Ange, and he's the head of partnership development with Investnext. And he has been in real estate or investments for almost 20 years. And over the last five years, he ran a successful investor relations department, then made the switch to Investnext, where his focus has been on helping IR departments successfully utilize technology to help grow their business. So I'm really glad to have you on the show today, Brad. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having having me on. I appreciate it. So Brad, I'd love to start off by getting a little bit more about your background and how you got started in real estate. Yeah, I graduated from Central Michigan with a degree in management information systems. So it's kind of like computer programming stuff. And I worked for a summer in my hometown, St. Clair County, and absolutely hated it. I worked in the IT department. It was awful. I did not like it. And Ran into an old hockey buddy. His mom ran a, a mortgage company and she's like, you should jump, come work for me, come work for me. So this was like 2002, I think. And was like, all right, I don't know anything about mortgage. I didn't even know what a mortgage was, but I hated what I was doing. I think I was doing it for like three months and just working on computers. I was like, I get out of this. So eventually I ended up working for her, working in the mortgage industry, ended up getting a job for a, for a wholesale lender, moved out West. So I lived in Vegas for a handful of years. I moved to Chicago too, eventually. 08, 09 came and everything just kind of imploded. And I've just been, that's kind of how I started. And then just found my way into different aspects of it. Commercial lending, found my way into a bank for investments. And then just kind of got, kept coming back to like this investment aspects and commercial real estate. And then found my way kind of uh, with Investnext about two years ago now. I was using them as I, like you said, as I ran an investor relations department, raising capital for our own syndications. We were started, we came across Investnext and I made, I jumped ship uh, about two years ago and now done with the company, just helping us grow, helping us get our name out, helping investor relations department kind of streamline their processes and use the portal to give them essentially more time and more visibility with their investors. So that's where I am today. Awesome. So if you want to share a little bit, can you provide just like a top overview of an Investnext and what your, what the company does? Yeah. So we are, if the investor logs in, we're an investor portal. So it's their investor portal where they log in to see all their documents, to see all their investments so they can see it, feel it, touch it kind of stuff. Versus when I was raising capital about five years ago, we didn't have anything like that. So an investor would want to know, look at their investments, say, all right, what do I have invested with you? What are my returns? What are all the distributions I've been paid for the last four years or whatever it may be? There was no good way to display that. So I'd have to create a Microsoft doc of go through all of my Excel spreadsheets and kind of come up with these numbers and just hope that I didn't mess anything up when I sent it back to them. And it was, so we needed a better way and I found invest next end, but essentially that's what it is. So it's for the investor, they can log in and see their investments, feel comfortable with it, have that transparency through for their syndicator or general partner. And then for the general partners, what it does is it, it helps them raise capital, allows them to create a deal room, manage the backend aspect of it as far as the distributions go. So they can send the distributions out. They don't have to calculate those in Excel anymore. Our system will, will model that and calculate all, calculate all that. They'll be able to send K-1s to their investors, which is a huge pain point when it comes around to March 15th. 
early April. That's just the, the tax season is just usually a nightmare, but it helps streamline that, manage all their investors. So they don't have to keep it on an Excel spreadsheet and they can just feel comfortable that the data is more correct. So it does more than that, but that's kind of like a 30,000 foot view of, of both sides of what the investor portal provides. Yeah, definitely. It's a great way to kind of see all your investments with a specific sponsor. And then also from the sponsor standpoint, to be able to see your investors and um, all your distributions and kind of keep it all very organized and to be able to streamline everything and make it a little bit more, make the process a little bit more efficient in terms of communicating between the sponsors and then the investors themselves. Yeah, for sure. And that that communication part's huge too. And I think professionalism and transparency are a couple other buzzwords that are kind of nice too. Because I think if you create that professionalism and that transparency to the investors, I think it allows them to want to refer their friends and family a little bit easier too than just not having a spot where they can point them and say, hey, look at this deal they've got versus them just sending an email with you know, maybe like an investor deck or anything. It's got a spot for them to land and, and it gives your company, if you're a GP, a little more professionalism. And so are, is the investor portal specifically for sponsors who already have deals or how do people who are starting to get into the raising capital and, and like sponsoring their own deals, how are they able to use Investnix as well prior to even having a deal? Yeah, that's a good question. And we see those that, who have been doing it for 20 years, 15 years with a ton of different projects. And we see just newbie, someone who maybe has been an LP in a deal then now wants to start their own deal. And we're starting to see that a lot more where people are trying to quit their W-2 and just do this, just raise capital, find deals, pool some of their friends or investors money together and start doing this. And I think that you've kind of hit a, a good point there is that we see some investors or some GPs uh, rather that wait till after that first deal to kind of do this. And then they're kind of backtracking. So now they're, then they're getting a portal and they're putting all that data in and they're managing it after they've raised the deal where... Our portal, at least, is is huge for helping with that capital raise. It's good for streamlining that whole process, making it easier for you, making it easy for investors. So I would highly suggest before you get your first capital raise, start demoing and checking out different investor portals and see which one fits and works for you. But I would definitely go through the process with some sort of investment management software system. That way it helps streamline the process. But you could also start getting soft commitments and start that whole process out before you have to. You could even have, and we'll see this a lot too, and I'll kind of advise some people that if they know that, hey, I'm looking in the Southeast for a 40 to 70 unit with this amount of IRR projected returns on it, cash on cash, build out kind of like a tentative deal room, send it out to your investor base, have them go in, look at it, and even start doing soft commitments based off of that. Of like, all right, if I have X, Y, Z, would this be something you're interested in? And then it, it builds out that pipeline. So then when you actually have a deal, you just replace that tentative deal information you put in there with real metrics and then drive them back and say, all right, this is what we have now. If you still are going to invest 25 or 50,000, whatever it may be, log in, execute the documents and, and they're already in one central location and you don't have to use the Excel spreadsheets anymore. So so that's what we've we've been seeing a lot with the newer GPs and it seems to be working pretty well. And so all the communication is through the Investnext portal then? Yeah. So you can send them and you don't even have to, if you've got them all in MailChimp or something, you can send all of your investors just a deal room link. So you create that fake deal room link, send it out to your investor base and they can essentially just create their own username with the portal and they can drive all that. So you can ask more information, which I like, because you, you can create a form where if you have a group, usually that, that first group is your friends and family, maybe maybe coworkers or someone you've worked with. And so it's a little, I mean, you get some data as far as like first name, last name, email, but you, don't, you can't capture more information. So you can create a form 
and ask them, are they accredited? How much would you have to invest in possible first deal or how much capital do you have for real estate transactions or anything like this? You can mock the form up to ask whatever questions you want and then, then gather that data. So when you send the deal room link out, they can essentially answer that form as part of the link and then just they go into the portal and they're adding all of that extra data attached to their little contact card in the system, which then you could filter and versus just kind of like having it in the system originally and then just having them log into a portal without any of that data. I like I like the form aspect because you, you can capture, like I said, more specific data, especially if you want to know if they're accredited or not, besides asking your friend, like, hey, how much how much money do you have? Or something just kind of a it's kind of a weird question to ask, especially for those first few. So it's a little less intrusive, I think, to kind of get around and at least get the answers that you're trying to get to. So and so then the investors can go in, take a look at this potential deal, and then place a soft commitment of if there was a deal similar to this, similar to this profile here, we would be interested in investing in X amount of dollars. Yeah, correct. Yeah, absolutely. They could select, there's a reservation button. They can hit that, put their soft commitment. And then now they're on a, a pipeline or kind of like an opportunity grid that you can you can manage from that point as well. And then once you get the deal, like I said, you can email everyone who's filled that out. Say, hey, I know you said you were reserving X amount of dollars or X amount of shares or whatever, but here's the deal. Go and check it out. And if you still want to move forward, then you can continue the process. So have you seen a, I guess, the impact of using this strategy of actually creating this type of portal with a potential deal room and everything like that for the investors to take a look at more effective than just doing email communication bases? Yeah, I'd say for a majority, yes. It depends how far you are with the process. I mean, if you're a year away, or and, and no one knows that because they're still actively trying to find deals. But if you're a long ways away, I mean, realistically, are you going to log in, create a username and password, and, and go through all that stuff? So to have them with without a fake deal or like a, a tentative deal, let's say like fake deal, but like a, a prospective deal, like this is our criteria for this. For, with if you don't have something for them to log into, it's and see, it's kind of tough for them to to log in and do that. So if you're not say maybe a couple months away from probably a deal, I would hate to say it, but I would still maybe use like a MailChimp or something kind of marketing stuff. Cause I mean, as far as yourself, I mean, would you log into something that didn't have any data in there? And like, I'm not going to create a username and password for something I can't see anything with. It's kind of like creating one for a bank account that you don't have any money with. You're not going <laughs> to go do that. So, so yeah, I'd say it, it depends on your timing, but if you know, you're let's, we're hoping the next three months to get something up and running, build out that, that tentative deal room based off your criteria. And then start getting real strong soft commitments off that criteria. And as long as you get a project that hits that, it's easier to turn that into a real deal versus then starting from the beginning process. But if you're a long ways out, I mean, just keep, I'd keep using email marketing, kind of get everything, get everything tied in together, get some, get closer to some deals. And then as soon as you kind of get uh, pretty close or you feel comfortable, then definitely start reaching out. So there's, I think it depends on, on the GP and where they are in the process, but hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, no, Definitely. And so how about for those people who are raising capital and they're looking to participate as a co-sponsor and maybe the, the lead sponsor doesn't have an InvestNext portal, but you do, is there an interface link or does both parties have to have InvestNext for you to be able to help raise capital for that and have everything kind of simultaneously linked up together? If they both have Investnext, it's a lot easier, obviously. If it's someone else is using a, another portal, they have all their stuff on their portal and there's no like inner, there's no connection between there's no sort of like API. But what we tend to see is they'll take all the documents from that main sponsor, create their own deal room, and then essentially send all the data back over there because you can export. They can at least use all the functionality to have the investor sign all the documents in the Investnext portal. You can export the documents and send it to the 
the main GP if he or she needs the documents, but I'm sure they are if it's their documents. So it depends on how the co-sponsor is doing it as well, too. Like, is the co-sponsor doing their own documents and essentially just cutting a check for St. Ange LLC Fund 1, where that main sponsor is not seeing the names of the, all the investors? So is the co-GP coming up with their own documents and then essentially just cutting a check? So essentially just giving them funds versus... I think it depends on the situation. It's a little, it's always a little tricky with the co-sponsors and what, what you can do. I mean, you can definitely run it through portal as one if everyone's doing that, but then it gets a little like, how do you want to do it? And I still think having it in your own portal that you're using is probably the best way, even if you have to borrow the documents, create your own deal room, have your investors log in and and create the documents versus going to someone else and then have that co-sponsor possibly see some of your prospective investors that maybe fell through and didn't go through. So they may have logged in on their portal. Then you've got some people that maybe haven't finished the process that main co-sponsor's seen. So that's probably getting too much in the weeds, but but there's a lot of things whenever I see CoGP, it kind of rings a bunch of questions of, all right, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Whose paperwork is it? Who owns the paperwork? Who's paying out distributions? You know, Are they cutting you a check and then you're cutting your investors' uh, distributions? Or is that main GP doing all the distributions? Where's the ACHs coming from, et cetera? There's a bunch of, my mind kind of goes a little crazy once I hear uh, co-sponsor stuff. And there's a lot more that probably goes into it than what some people think at the first level. So I usually ask a bunch of questions when I know they're going to do that. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Thank you for sharing. And so let's take it now. So once you have you know, your soft commits in there, you have a potential deal room in there for investors to take a look at. Can you walk us through the process for once people actually have a deal and how the design How does the distributions work to your investors? And can you also split up the shares and distribute to other GPs in the the investor portal as well? Yes. So once you get it all set, you it depends if you're getting in the co-GP, that's probably won't get into that to get too much in the weeds. Let's say you have your all your positions in there, so your cap table's all full. You've got class A, class B. So LP GP will just say you can build out a distribution plan based off your operating agreement. So let's say there's a pref and then there's uh, maybe a return of capital, then a split. So you can build that out as like a distributable cash flow model. So you can have an 8% pref that the system will calculate it based off of the date that everyone invests or the funds received or whatever, you know, the closing date of the project, whichever you want to do. Uh, the system will start calculating pref based off that day for your LPs. And then the next hurdle would be return of capital just for this imaginary operating agreement cash flow model here. And then the next one would be some sort of split. So you can do a split based off of an IRR. You can do a split just based off of 70-30. And then once IRR gets to a certain point, you can do 60-40, 50-50 or whatever you want the split to be. So essentially, you can build that distribution plan out. And then when it comes time to make the distributions, you can just go to the distribution, pick that plan, 
depending what it is, you can either tell it a dollar amount you want it to, to distribute if you're not paying the full pref. If you're paying the full pref, the system will tell you how much pref you know each each investor, and then you can just send it through the portal. So as long as they, the investors have their ACH linked up, you can send it to each investor. Similar with the G, co-GP. So if all, all their investors had all their information that was tied, it would trickle down there. If they cut you just one check for all their investors and didn't want you to see it, you would then be cutting their manager LLC a check. And then they can distribute it on, on their end once they once it gets to them. So it just depends on where it is. But essentially, we've got a ton of different hurdles that, that we've seen throughout the years. That And it's always it's interesting to see because we've seen a ton of different crazy models of these just payouts that make our minds kind of like, all right, how do we figure this one out? How do we get this one? In? And we've so far, we've been able to get every one of them in, but there are some are some hurt the brain at the end of the day. Come <laughs> up with like some of the calculus, like, how are we going to figure this one out? I know there's a way to do it. And so most of the basic ones we've, you know, we've been able to figure out. So, so it's been pretty interesting and it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see some of the different crazy distribution waterfalls. I just don't know how they explain it to their investors. So some of them like, all right, how are you telling these people this? Cause it's crazy, but it's cool to see. I mean, most are basic pref, you know, split or pref return of capital split. Um, but uh, system will basically tell you what, what you need to do, which I like versus you inputting it into Excel and then having Excel maybe tell you what you've inputted correctly. I'm going to see that with IRR a lot. Also, what are some of the, I guess, in from your experience and what you've seen, what are some of the biggest mistakes that, you know, as people are setting up the investor portal, what are some of the mistakes that they they commonly make as they're setting up the investor portal? Or is there a more efficient way to set up the portal, getting everything set up in terms of distributions and making sure it's really efficient, like from the get-go? I think most weight. So which we've added, so we've added, the, uh, as far as distributions go, I see this a lot. So it used to, we used to not accept ACH. So now we accept ACH as far as like the deal rooms. When you're raising capital, you can send capital through the portal, which is something we added maybe five months ago now. It seems like it's maybe longer than that. It seems like we just did that. But so we had the ability for investors to send ACH, which has now had the GP put their bank account in the system. Typically they would wait until they have a distribution. They'd say, all right, so August 9th, we get an email, hey, we're trying to send out distributions to our investors. And we look in the system, we're like, all right, you haven't linked up your bank account. That's going to take a couple of days to kind of go through this process. And then they're like, all right, well, I need to do it today. And it's like, well, unfortunately, we're using a third party and it takes a couple of days. And your investors need to link up their ACH on their end as well. And if you have 150 investors, that's going to take more than the end of today to do that. So and it's just, they're just not aware of that. And it's, there's so many different things that we could try to tell you up front, like, hey, you should probably do this, do this, do this. But at least with us now, as part of the deal room process, having them, the, the GP accept ACH, they're linking up their ACH right away. So that prevents that kind of from happening. I mean, it's it's all white label mostly. So you can white label it with, with your logos and put that stuff in. So that's not terribly difficult. The distribution plan is where I kind of see most of the issues or... I guess where it slows down a little bit and sometimes they'll try to do everything in Excel where Excel is, uh, Excel is a, maybe a little off a couple cents every once in a while, just due to rounding stuff where ours will fix it throughout the year. But I don't want to get too much into, into that, but I see that a lot. Usually it's like using Excel instead of trusting the model, which is 100% completely fine and understandable, especially if you've been doing it a while and you've been using Excel. So until you get used to our system of how it all works and that you're comfortable with it, which we highly, highly advise, you know, keep using Excel along with us. And we'll tell you maybe what Excel's doing wrong, or we can, you know, show you what, what, what we're doing right. Um, but that's kind of the area I see, or 
or not getting soft commitments or waiting too long to build out a deal room. They'll start doing soft commitments outside of the portal where it's easier if you have it in the portal. So waiting till the last minute to raise capital. So we'll often get emails, hey, it's Monday, August 9th that you know, we're trying to raise capital today. And we're like, all right, when did you know you had the property? Was it, this obviously did not fall on your lap today. You could have like built the deal room out, got soft commitments, been ready to rock and then wait for your attorney documents. Then once your attorney documents, you can put them in the, in the portal. But that's what we see too. A little, little bit of working, probably because they're so busy though, working on other stuff is buying the property, worrying about that. And then like, oh shoot, we've got to raise capital. We don't have the deal room built out. We're trying to raise capital in like an hour. So just, <laughs> and we see that literally all the time. Yeah. So it's just, you can start that process. You can get those soft commitments, which hopefully will make you feel better about yourself and help you sleep at night. That at least if you're raising $10 million and you've got $8 million in soft commitments before the day you actually start raising, hopefully that helps out too. So I think a little bit of and I don't know if it's really procrastination as, as much as maybe just forgetting about, all right, we need to do that aspect as well, too, because there's a lot of newer GPs that are trying to get used to everything. So hopefully it streamlines that process. But I'd say those two, probably distributions and just lack of preparation for a, a new capital raise. Got it. And is there anything that maybe differentiates your guys' investments a little bit more from like the other investor portals that are out there? I mean, to be honest, we're all pretty competitive. It's all, I mean, some's pricing, which I mean, some are cheaper, some are more expensive. And I think it's just kind of more of the bang for the buck, but we, and it's almost like we're hitting the same thing over and over here, but it's like the distribution waterfall. I haven't found anyone who's comes close to ours and accepting ACH. Uh, we're one of, I think two that actually accept ACH when you do a capital raise. Maybe there's more now there will be, it seems like everyone keeps borrowing from others, but and I'd say our customer service is, is, is pretty strong, pretty solid, but I'd say probably those three things, distribution, waterfall, I always keep coming back to that. And it's uh, some of my friends will watch these things too. And they're like, it's so boring. No one wants to talk about <laughs> distribution waterfalls, but I want to talk about distribution waterfalls because I think it's amazing what, what ours does, <laughs> even though no one wants to hear about it, but, but it just streamlines a pain and accepting ACH is eliminates a pain of reconciling when they wire the funds to your bank, because then you don't have to go back and go, all right, Brad, St. Ange invested, but there's some sort of LLC that came in with the same dollar amount around the same time. This is probably the same person, but do I have to call him up and say like, did you send me money through an LLC? It's just a weird conversation that if you send it through the portal, this automatically uh, records that for you. So uh, those are kind of just a couple, a couple of things, but like I said, I mean, the, the industry is getting better. I think everyone's doing a much better job than it used to be five years ago when I was when I first started demoing some of the different softwares. And I just I, I'm excited about everything that like everything we have coming up that we're kind of thinking about. I'm, I'm sure some of the other ones are, are coming up with trying to think about it too, but should be interesting over the next year, year and a half, just some of the stuff that these portals will provide besides just my lovely distribution waterfall <laughs> model. I'll probably make that a little better too. So awesome, Brad. Um so I'd love to ask what's next for you and invest next. So we've got our new investor portal 2.0. So our we've just completely revamped the admin side of the portal to make that more user-friendly. And now we've we've finally gone back and done the, the front-facing side of it. So we're excited about that because it's it's been four and a half years old, the, the other in, in the investor portal side. So it's gonna have like a new clean look. And I'm very excited to have that roll out. And I'm not sure when, when this is going to go live, but it's hopefully in the next week or two we roll out with that, which I'm excited about. We have a few other like APIs we're trying to integrate with as far as marketing. That kind of seems like a little pain point. I don't think that'll be out till early 2022, which is crazy that we're almost there. 
And then a couple other things that you don't really want to say because someone will, they'll steal them. And I always got to wait until <laughs> we come out with them. They can steal them after. But we're working with it. We got a couple of really good ideas that we're going to be working on. And then just trying to get our name out there and trying to grow business and make our clients happy and just take a lot of their feedback and make the portal better. But like I said, I think the whole industry in itself is going to be pretty impressive over the next you know year and a half, two years. Yeah, we're looking forward to see what you guys do in this space. Yeah, we're excited. It's It should be... It's been a, a good last couple of years for us, and it's going to keep seeing the momentum kind of shift in the right direction. So we're excited about uh, the rest of this year and then the beginning of the next year. So Brad, I'd love to ask you also, how has real estate investing impacted your life? Um, it's been, I mean, it's crazy because you, it's one of those things where if you, if you love your job, you're not working or at least whatever, whatever the motto is or whatever, but it's one of those things where I always find myself thinking about this whole space and how can we make it better. And I don't feel like it's really, it's really work. I mean, there's at some points of it, it's, it's a little annoying, a little stressful because just have, it's a job at the end of the day, but we're trying to grow this to where it's more of like a community and have everyone lean on each other. And it's, I think it's been amazing at during 08, 09, you know, I was in another industry just because this whole, the whole financial, like real estate industry kind of went down, but then I always wanted to get back into commercial real estate or at least some aspect of it. I always found myself coming back and it's being back in it after a couple of years after that. I just feel like this is a good spot and the space is absolutely unbelievable as far as the networking people looking to help each other. I mean, people like yourself who have podcasts like this, who are kind of like actively promoting other people in the space who could be competitors, but you don't really see that in too many industries. So the real estate space, I think is an amazing space and it's good to have people like yourself or other people on LinkedIn. You get those LinkedIn communities, but I think it's just, it's more of kind of like a network family kind of thing. So it's, it's been, it's been good because it doesn't seem like it's, you know, it's a job. It just seems like you're kind of, you know, hanging out with friends and just trying to build something. So it's been, it's been good as far as that aspect goes. Thank you so much, Brad. And thanks so much for coming on and sharing about, you know, Invest Next and what you guys are doing out in, in this space. And we're looking forward to everything. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And if anyone wants to you know, check us out or get a demo, go to investnext.com. There should be a little demo button. I think it's in the upper right hand corner. Or you can hit me up at brad at investnext.com. But yeah, check us out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brad. I really appreciate having this conversation today. Yeah, thank you as well. <laughs> and thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.